Hey, it's Amelia, aka Big Tit. And I'm Natasha, aka Little Tit. And together, we're, we're the, the Graveyard, Graveyard Girls. Girls. Welcome we... back! <laughs> I don't I... even know if we've introduced the episode we've not. yet. Just oh, before okay. recording, I injured myself because Amelia was on about some weird TV show. And well, if listeners know what I'm on about with the whole devil finger thing, they there was a devil finger and bendy wendy. Someone might know what I'm actually on about. And I'm apparently too old for this, so I clearly it's don't know. It's before your time. And I whacked my uh, hand trying to do it, and that's what happened before recording. Okay, yeah, so uh, welcome to today's episode. And uh, We're not having mental breakdowns. And those of you that come back every week, thank you. You probably can tell if we are having a mental breakdown. We're fine, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm not too bad. I don't mean I don't feel horrendous. I'm a bit hot, actually. Actually, we shouldn't have gone down that line. <laughs> we're okay. How is everyone who's listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We hope you're well. Hmm. Uh, we're surviving. Um, if you could rate and review us on wherever you're listening, that would help us. Yeah. That might help and us get some... At the very least, it might pay for some Therapy. Healthcare. That's yeah. exactly what where I was going. Okay, thanks. Or you could head on over to our Patreon, where you can have discount on our merch. And if that all fa- else fails, um, can like someone sign us up? I don't know, like to be like put in a lunatic house or something. Mm. Maybe like put us forward. I don't know. Do we get it for free if we get like put in there by someone else? <laughs> mm, yes. Okay. We have spooky tits. If you want to show off your spooky tits, yeah, I'm quite proud of those t-shirts. Actually, yeah, <laughs> they are very good. I like them. Uh, we also now have the official graveyard girls mm-hmm. one. We had the ke- we still got the keep creeping ones as well. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get one then before, you can get one now. Still, mm-hmm. that's nice and embroidered. Yeah, on your that. boob. It's your left boob. It's basically on your boob. Yeah. If you have boobs. Um, pectoral. Yeah. Pe- yeah. Yeah, pectoral pocket yep. print. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that. Yep. Uh, yeah, we also obviously have the new Graveyard Girls one, which has got all the little icons. So mm-hmm. when you look at our logo, it's printed on that. And I think you can go, what is it? Is it in black and grey? I think so, yes. Okay. Might made that up. Uh, just go and check out the website, which is thegraveyardgirls.co.uk. We do shit worldwide. Yeah. Just twoporterford.com. Yep. Um, we also have, by the time this episode comes out, new prints, which we've collaborated with Beaky & Co for, but some of them will be available through our website. The rest will be Beaky & Co. Um, which I will also tag in our Instagram <laughs> posts for this episode. Just so you know, it's easier for you to find. Mm-hmm because I'm shit at remembering things. Um, Other than that, if you have some paranormal stories, true crime yeah, stories. this is like your last chance to send them stories. in. Because we're like, either we've just started the season or we're about to start it. I'm not really too sure what's going on, to be honest. We're trying to record ahead of time. So one, we never miss a release date. Two, we have other time to do more other stuff. Things. But basically, we're pretending to be adults. And being organised. Yeah. Which is not really working out, if I'm honest. Um, not very good at the whole adult- adulting thing. If everyone else like stuck Wasn't to great. the plan. <laughs> if everyone else stuck to the plan. I just don't get why it's so stressful being an adult. Like, they bullshitted you when you were a child and said, like, you can do whatever you want when you're an adult. That, that was a big fat lie. Yeah. Because you can't do whatever you want. Well, you know why? Because... Um, the economy was kind of better back then, so therefore you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah, now it's a bit now. shit. Yeah. So, uh, 
should probably crack on with today's joint episode. So today's joint episode is kind of like if a murder would happen in Midsummer Murders. Yeah. The so, TV show. Yeah. So yeah, anyone, I don't know, it probably is available for other countries, but basically mm-hmm. the UK have a show called Midsummer Murders and it's like a little quaint, quiet village. Um, and yeah, basically, I don't know, they're a lot more bloody than everyone yes thinks about so if this episode does well there's more like kind of similar cases so we'll maybe do another one um the only thing i can kind of relate this to that case we've done similar before would be our episode two called charles they yes. had two very country sort of style village murders and we accidentally did that we didn't do that on purpose yeah so i think if you like this episode in the meantime like that would be another one good one for you to go and check out like after you've listened to this one mm-hmm. um so yeah, we're basically, we're both going to present a murder case that's taken place in a quite little village somewhere in the UK. Um, Did you die? <laughs> yeah, I'm just sort of thinking of how to follow it on and then start my case, but... Amelia's just... going first Yeah, I'll just today. go first. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and like do like a little link in. A segue. Yeah, but I didn't know how to do it, so... We never know. I haven't done it. <laughs> We've done it now. Okay. <laughs> Where is your scene set? Okay. So I'm going a little way back, but not too far. So I'm going to a quiet little village called Ashton in Northamptonshire. So not too far from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1952. Okay. Okay. So not that long ago. Like, well, like 70 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at this point in time, the village was about 20 miles from Northampton town. There's... The little village comprised of 32 cottages and the area was comprised of over 5,000 acres of arable farming, mm. which had served uh, Britain well during the war, which I'll see not long ended at this point. So after the war, um, sorry, during the war, they'd produced large amounts of, like, well, basically the majority of the food for the country. So very important area. And after the war, um, they brought, sorry, after the war, dairy farming had become quite popular in the area. Okay. But it wasn't all as lovely as it seemed. The Ashton Wald estate employed roughly 40 workers to work farmland and were responsible for a number, a number of farm management roles. Many of these workers were housed in the cottages in Ashton, mm-hmm. but some were slightly more isolated. This would include the Peach couple. Okay, Peach. So George and Lillian Peach we've got. The pair lived in what was known locally as West Lodge, it was a three-bedroom detached cottage, not a bit of a mouthful, which was at the top end of the village uh, on the only through road. So basically, there's only one road in and out of this village. The nearest neighbour was 480 yards away, and it was the gatehouse to the Ashton Wolds family mansion. Now, the house was surrounded by fields uh, all on one side and then woodland on another. So though isolated, the couple seemed happy in their Mm -hmm. little home so where they are is basically years and years ago when it had been a big family house that would have been the gatehouse to the estate yeah so george and lillian were not a very young couple they were in fact of the ages of 64 and 67 so not young at all george was employed as a gamekeeper and local handyman but was also known to help out with uh moving cattle so obviously when they were a bit busy George liked to work on his garden in his free time and took pride in growing his own food. The year of 1952 had been very good for crops, which had meant the estate also had a lot of extra hours going as they scrambled to cram in an extra harvest. 
George had also helped out by covering a number of sick days uh, that autumn, and by the October he'd taken on the role of cowman in order to assist herdman John Oliver. The pair had worked together previously and worked well. With the pair... Okay, sorry. With the pair would also be herds headman Francis Mahoney, Conal Lane... Conal? Colonel? Why does it say Colonel? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate how Colonel's oh, spelled. fucking hell. I need help. Okay. Colonel Lane, who ran the estate alongside his wife, and she was the Honourable Miriam Lane, who was Lord Rochester's sister. So very important if you go back in history. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So by Friday the 24th of October, Francis Mahoney and another dairyman, Fred Hadman, had been in London for 10 days at the big dairy show which had been held at London's Olympia, which nowadays hosts uh, a big equine show and has the Shetland Grand National. Okay. I've been to that. It's very good. Okay. This had left George and John working alone back at the farm. Back at the farm, one of the cows was being watched carefully as she, they believed, just be going into carving and she'd previously had difficulties, so they wanted to keep an extra eye on her. Mm -hmm. Neither George or John wanted to call the vet, so instead had taken it in turns and watching the cow, okay? At 12.30pm, with no sign of a calf, George decided to cycle back to West Lodge for lunch. So, obviously this is in the day. Um, Leaving John to watch the cow. George had been gone for two hours, and John thought this a little odd, but didn't say anything at the time, believing something must have happened back home to distract him. George would work another three hard hours with John um, well into the afternoon before the farm manager, John Dockray, bought their weekly wages. He asked George to help him with the milking the next day. George agreed to this. Um, and as the cow had still not carved, he arranged with John Oliver for someone to come and fetch him in the night should he need any assistance. George left for home around 6pm. Okay. Okay, so he's had a bit busy day. Now we're going into the following day. At 9.55am the next morning, the butcher's roundsman, Lawrence Wright, was busy making his morning rounds. He'd been running late, having been delayed by a visit to the dentist. He needed a tooth pulling out, I think. One of the deliveries was to West Lodge, with a joint for the Sunday lunch. Surprised that Mrs. Peach hadn't answered the front door, he went round to the back to knock on that door. Oh no. Mm. General practice for the time was to leave a plate just inside the outdoor lavatory so that people could leave deliveries should the person not be in. The meat was well wrapped, so Lawrence had decided that this was his best bet. However, no plate had been left out. So he carried the meat back to his van. He then noticed an open window into the coal bunker. So this is... (laughs) Well, no, so this would be like a little outbuilding. Yeah. Okay. However, the curtains were shut, which... Lawrence deemed odd, mm. okay? Well, yeah, they'd be up at, like, four. Mm. Yeah. And also, why well, the curtain's still closed at this mm. time. So, worried that something was wrong, and probably too scared to go and look by himself, he quickly drove to the three-horse shoe pub and told pub landlord Frank Slater. Slater decided to contact the estate's uh, farm office, and the pair walked up to John Dockray, um, to where then John Dockray informed him that George hadn't shown up for milking, but he'd presumed illness. Still not overly concerned, John told his secretary to go and take a drive up there. Frank Slater offered to accompany and went with her. Okay, so I get the impression this John Dockery is just a bit like, you know, I've got business for I don't really give a shit. And everyone else is a bit like, no, it's a bit strange. We should probably go and check it out. Okay. Or he's just like, it's fine. And you're like, no. <laughs> I feel as well, like, because they would have had a lot of vagrant workers that were used to people not really turning up, even though it would have been out of character for yeah. George. Yeah. Okay. 
When the pair arrived, Slater went in alone through the front door, which was unlocked. Inside the house, it was dark and he called out, but no one answered, so he decided to go upstairs. At the top of the stairs, there's a narrow landing with three bedrooms. To his left was a back bedroom, which was closed and locked. There was a door directly in front of him, which was slightly ajar, and to his right was a door that was closed, um, but that would have led into the front bedroom. Slater decided to walk into the one directly in front of him. Okay. Okay. To his shock, when he did, he saw Lillian Peach laying on the bed, breathing heavily. Both her face and neck were covered in blood. Aww. Okay. Her bedclothes had been pulled down to her feet, so she was exposed. Uh, she was unable to speak. Knowing how serious the situation was, Frank quickly ran down the stairs and drove back to the estate's office to get someone to alert the police and doctor. Now, bearing in mind at this point, he didn't bother looking around the rest yeah. of the house. In his panic, he just thought, oh shit, we need to get someone here. As Frank got to the office, the estate chauffeur, Albert Christopher, also arrived and suggested that they go back to try and help um, until the ambulance arrived. That then left John uh, Dockray, who rang for the ambulance and the police. According to Albert's statement, so the chauffeur, when he arrived at the house, it was still in darkness and looked, and he looked into the downstairs rooms, and this is a quote of what he said. I saw the pantry door was open and all the curtains were drawn and we switched the light on. Seeing nothing downstairs, I went upstairs with Mr Slater. Once they'd gone back upstairs, he pulled the bedclothes back over Lillian, obviously to, I don't know, protect her dignity, I'm guessing, yeah. and went back out onto the landing with Slater to try and gain entry to the locked bedroom. It took a lot of effort and they had to force the door down, but when they did, they saw George laying on his bed. At first it looked as though he was merely sleeping, but upon further in inspection and on turning the light on it revealed that george had been battered about the head with blood covering the wall and the ceiling above Ooh, okay. so quite a brutal attack so we yeah. have a double murder dr ivor spurrell arrived just a few moments later and in a statement to police he said that he tried to help lillian but that her injuries were so severe that there was little he could do without a blood transfusion and expert resuscitation which obviously they didn't have at the time well, not they didn't have it, but it would only they be in a hospital. It, it? Yeah, and they were never going to get her yeah. there in time. He simply wrapped her up in blankets, uh, ready for the ambulance to take her. And in terms of George Peach, he said he'd left the body in situ as he was obviously dead and had probably been so for four to five hours, judging by the advanced stage of rigor mortis. Okay. So Lillian was soon whisked away to Peterborough, having sorry, leaving the police to deal with the crime scene. Harold Peel, the policeman, examined the scene and determined that there was a trail of dried blood leading from the side of George's bed straight out into the landing and into the bedroom of Lillian. The key to George's locked bedroom was never found. Okay. okay. So I'm supposing at this point that George is probably attacked first and then Lillian. Yeah. With the blood trail. Yeah. Mm, would make sense. George's wound extended from his left temple down to his jaw and neck. Ooh. leading the police to believe that the murder weapon was some semi-sharp instrument such as a blunt axe. Yeah. Okay, so not very nice at all. Mm. Examining the rest of the house, nothing seemed out of place. The back door was locked with the key still in the lock. The pantry door was open and a small window pane of glass was missing, but not smashed. So are we? I think we're going to presume they've come through the front door because it could just be that that pane of glass was missing anyway. Yeah. Inspector Peel made his report believing that this was a case of burglary gone wrong not well equipped to deal with a double murder case peel called in scotland yard to assist they took on board the robbery gone uh, wrong theory but 
but did question it as a motive for double murder because it seemed quite, I don't know, a bit overkill. Yeah. And uh, Does it look like it's been robbed? Well, yes and no. Not really. It's not upturned, but I'll get into it a little bit later. Okay. So who killed the Peaches? Well, Scotland Yard, of course, looked at the family as suspects and they discovered that the couple had a son called Jack, but he lived away working as an engineer. Jack's wife, Joan, and their daughter lived in the village, but they were quickly ruled out. So, obviously, I had an alibi. Obviously, it wasn't that long after the war, and the village still used a number of seasonal workers from all backgrounds, including those from Ukraine, Poland, and Scotland. Mm-hmm. Autopsy later revealed just how brutal the attack had been on George, as he'd it'd been estimated he'd been struck at least six times and would have died almost instantly, cool. as he had no defence wounds. Yeah. Okay. Lillian, however, it had it bad. She'd had she had severe defensive wounds and had been struck from both the left and right side. Oh. She suffered thirty-one blows to her head. However, some of the marks on her left uh, were a Y-shaped imprint, which was different to George, and so it was believed a, a hammer was used rather than an axe. So, oh. double murder weapon. Yeah. Okay. So now with two possible murder weapons, and if you remember that the coal bunker was open. Could the weapon have been taken from mm. there? And then Could like make sense. Used yeah. with their own tools. Yeah, yeah and then okay. taken away for whatever reason. So, obviously, with it being a quiet little village, everyone in the village had lots to say. Mm-hmm. Lots of people uh, were questioned, but nothing stood out. So the police were a bit of a, at a bit of a loss. On the 1st of November, Florence Marsh, who lived at Chapel Farmhouse in the centre of the village, made an accidental but timely discovery when she discovers a blood-soaked claw hammer under a pile of fallen leaves in her garden, a garden, sorry, which she was clearing away before winter frost sets in. So I feel like they're continually falling down. Did they down. collect this evidence or is this like your other case where it's like, oh, it's right there, but they then they're like... They did collect okay. it. But there was a bit of a question over, like, how didn't she notice it before? But some were saying because the leaves kept falling off, she wasn't routinely sweeping up her garden, so it lay there for a little while. And the only reason... Sorry? (laughs) The only reason she discovered it was because she had decided to sweep all the leaves before the frost set in, and it was then that she discovered. But see, this is a little bit time afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Forensic examiners revealed that the blood as well as hair on the hammer matched George Peach, so definitely a murder weapon. However, they believed originally his was an axe and this was a hammer, so doesn't there's some discrepancies. Could still be another weapon, but it kind of means their initial thing was wrong. They thought it was Lillian that was done with a hammer, not the other way around. Yeah. So Chapel House was only 600 yards from West Lodge and shared a boundary wall, so police believe the killer discarded it over the wall as they headed back into the village, which would make sense. Um, but it also points to maybe someone, it being someone in the village, or they just ran through the whole village and back out. Yeah. So after sorting through things in the house, Jack, the son, revealed that George's watch was missing and police hadn't been able to locate George's wages, which would have been £9.13. shillings. So this still points to robbery, um, but I don't know. I think it still seems a bit overkill. Overkill for a watch. Yeah, and a yeah. little bit of money. It's not a massive amount of money no. at the time. So there were rumours in the village that Head's herdman, Francis, was doing some illegal work in terms of money um, and moving cattle about. So some put forward that George had uncovered it and this was the motive. So basically he was trying to silence them. However, we know Francis was all the way in London uh, at the dairy show, but others were then putting forward that he got someone else to do it on his 
behalf so he paid someone off mm, yeah. plausible but I'm not I convinced don't see. I think it's more village gossip yeah. which makes me think of your classic Midsummer Murders where they're like ooh I think it's them and so mm-hmm. um so those in the village believed it was someone in the village and that George was the target and that Lillian maybe woke so the killer had to get her too. Mm-hmm. Police were focusing on it being a seasonal worker. So mm. everyone was very at odds with each other. Ultimately, no one would ever be charged and so it has remained an unsolved mystery. Oh, as is the case, it's always a mystery, isn't it? Yeah. So we don't know who comes. So it's a very isolated area. So mm. is it? Do we want to believe it's just an opportunistic attack? Maybe I think taking the money and the watch is like the after thought. Yeah, of it would the help them get away. Yeah, um, they're like, oh, they just see it, and then they're like, oh, I'll just take that. I think yeah. they probably went in there. Maybe because I don't think the whole robbery was a thing. Because otherwise, I feel like they would have upturned yeah. the downstairs. Yeah, I think the they house. just saw the watch and saw the money, and they just left it after yeah. they killed them. So George was obviously attacked in his sleep. He didn't even have time to react. And mm-hmm. I feel like that maybe made quite a bit of noise. And Lillian... Is it interesting that they locked the door afterwards? And also, where did the key go? I think they probably took the key with them. Yeah. Strange. So unless they were hoping either... The other theory, there was one put out, and it does kind of make sense, that they intended to kill George, so he was the target, which fits... This is why the villagers believe it. And that they then locked the door so that Lillian wouldn't stumble mm. in on finding the body. Mm. She would obviously just think that it's odd that the door's locked and would maybe call for another man to assist and mm. they would discover the body, which does kind of work. Yeah. But then maybe she did wake up in the process and then they had to kill her because she could identify them, mm. which is why the villagers believed it was someone they knew. And then they was like... So they didn't intend to kill her, which is... But then they did with the overkill. Yeah. Like, over 30. Uh, But she did, well, yeah, over 31 blows. Because he only had six, not that that makes any better, but he was clearly asleep. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, she really defended herself and was hit from both sides. Mm. So, and then still was alive after all their matters. Because it would have been quite late in the morning. Because, well, the thing is that they, if they estimated the doctor thinks he was already dead four to five hours, it would have happened in the early hours of the morning. And by Mm. the time they got there, it would have been about half ten. So you're looking at four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So it could still be a vagrant worker because that would be about the time they're getting up ready to go and do milking because that's like sort of four or five o'clock yeah. in the morning. So it could be on the way to work. Maybe. But with that amount of blood, you'd expect someone to be seen in blood-soaked clothes. So then that's also making me think not a vagrant because how are they going to get away without... Even if they moved on yeah. to another village, they're going to be soaked in blood. It looks a bit suspicious. Yeah. So could it be someone that lived in the village can go home and get changed? maybe mm. interesting I just, it's horrible when it's old people I don't know I know why. just like a little defenceless yeah. old couple it's like they're it's very nice. cute and like they're still working or yeah. he's still working and, oh. I know sweet little old family just wiped well, out for like what the reason I don't know I think it's always that they're not knowing why I do get why the villagers think yeah. it wasn't robbery as a motive and it was something that yeah. George uncovered yeah um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know as though it was the headsman. I think he was maybe up to a few naughty things, maybe fiddling a bit of money to do with cattle, probably selling yeah, them for not, more than they were worth. Yeah, but not doing what they assumed. Yeah. So, I don't know. And but then I he's think gonna... it's that classic little village thing, isn't it? They like to, I think it's so-and-so. And then it ends up being someone completely different that no one thought it was going to be. So yeah, I thought it fit in well with the theme. It does. Mine kind of does is the fact that a body is found in a village Ooh. in a mysterious way, but it starts off in London. Oh, 
Okay. So I'm thinking it's kind of like one of the Midsummer Murders that's kind of like near a city. They always seem to yeah. come from London, don't yeah. they, in the thing? Yeah. And then they mysteriously die. So I, okay. I was just like, mm, I didn't know what to do. And then I decided on this one. Okay. So. <clears throat> in the Muswell Hill area of London, on Friday the 6th of January 1967, Bernard Oliver did not return home after spending the evening with friends. And he was reported missing by his father the following morning. I was a bit like, why did you leave it so long? But that's, I think, normal. Mm. Yeah, I suppose they meet you wait so many hours when it's an adult. If they're not deemed, um, what's it called? Vulnerable. At risk, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not very nice. So for days there was no news and nothing about Bernard. Several days later, though, on the 16th of January, farm worker Fred Burgey, it's spelled B-U-R-G-G-Y. Okay. That's just a strange Burgey. Yeah, it is. He discovered two two suitcases discarded among the hedgerows he was cutting, and inside he found a human body sliced into eight parts. Oh. So we're talking like arms off, legs off. They didn't Torso specify. Torso in half. <laughs> they didn't specify, okay. but there was definitely a decapitated head. Okay. The unknown male victim had manicure hands and neatly folded clothes. One suitcase bore the initials PVA. Okay. Okay. These suitcases were found near the village of Tattingstone, Suffolk. Okay. This is about an hour and a half away from Muswell Hill. Okay. Okay. It is believed that the murder had occurred around 48 hours before the discovery of the body. So there's going to be a bit of a trigger warning here. Okay. Post-mortem tests showed that Bernard had been sexually assaulted and strangled before his body was dismembered. Unable to determine the identity of the victim, police took the unusual step of releasing a photograph of the victim's head to the media. Oh, like the deceased head. Okay. Just like, yeah. It is believed that Bernard's brother saw the photo and informed his parents, who then confirmed with police that it was their son. Oh, mm. I don't like that. The location. I mean, good they got a identification, but still. Yeah, I mean it's probably it's not the way worse you want to find fear, out, is it? No. The location of the murder has never been identified, although police believe that the murder and dismemberment happened in the uh, village of Tattinston. Okay. Or around that area. During the 10 days he went missing, Bernard was seen in the village carrying two suitcases while other witnesses placed him in London. So there's some gossip from the village there. Okay. So I thought that was a bit... Okay. Police believe Bernard fell victim to an organised paedophile ring, but no arrests have ever been made. In Tattingstone, uh, a witness said that she saw a man who was middle-aged and wearing a dark trilby, a long trench coat, walking in the direction of uh, Tattingstone on the Harwich Road, carrying a suitcase. Okay. Several pieces of uh, physical evidence were recovered. One of the two cases used to contain the remains uh, had the PVA on it. A laundry mark with QL... 42 was also found on a hand towel inside one of the suitcases okay a matchbook found in the pocket of bernard's jacket was from a brand of matches marketed in israel okay bit strange is that what he would normally have i don't think so he is uh 15 
Okay. 14, 15. He won't, I assume he wouldn't have matches. I think it's from an older gentleman who traveled. Okay. Yeah, would make sense. Now, I don't know when the case was closed, mm. but it was reopened in 1977. Okay. And in two, uh, 2004, documents released under the Freedom of Information Act revealed that the prime suspects in the murder were two medical doctors, Martin Reddington and John Biles. These may be part of the paedophile gang that another report stated. Oh. Now, don't know if these are actual paedophiles or gay men. And because of the prejudice back in and that the time, time, they're assuming that they're paedophiles. Okay. But then I carried on reading and I think, yes, they might be paedophiles. Okay. Who happen to be gay, gay. men. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Martin Reddington, he had a surgery in Muswell Hill. Yeah. In 1965, a warrant had been issued for Reddington's arrest on the charges of buggery, which is also uh, sodomy. Yeah. And indecent assault of males. However, before inquiries could be completed, he left the UK for South Africa. Ah. So he's travelling, so it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think he went to Israel. For... Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone apparently connected the suitcases with the initials to Martin and two other men so I don't know if that's true or it's just like, oh yeah, he is the one with the suitcase. Because okay. why would three men have the same suitcase? Yeah, it's a bit strange. bit strange. John Boyles, he was acquitted along with another man in November of 1963 of assaulting a 16-year-old male, so similar age to yeah. Bernard, in their flat in Earl's Court in London. He left the UK for Australia in the early 1970s when inquiries began into the sexual abuse of boys aged between 9 and 14 in okay. Huddersfield. On the 17th of December 1974, he was arrested in Sydney. Yeah. Arrested in alleged indecent assault on a boy again. Oh, okay. But then he absconded. Oh, okay. <laughs> His body was found in a room in the Prince of Wales Hotel in Queensland on the 19th of January 1975. He left two suicide notes. Right. One addressed to Scotland Yard, the other to Martin. Okay. Who they think might be their accomplice. Right. The note to the police contained an apology for his actions, but no direct reference was related to, this to case. Bernard's okay. murder. So, the murder of Bernard is uh, Bernard is known as the Tattoo Stone Suitcase Murder. It's still unsolved to this day, but they mm. think it's... They think he's linked in some way. Hmm. Would make sense. Because the ages fit, but yeah. Yeah, and even if he didn't murder him, he might have maybe lured him to the other guy. It's what? believed Bernard was a gay teenager. Yeah. And he might have gone to Tattingston to meet some of the men. That's why Was he, he a runaway c- or didn't he specify just, if okay. he was a runaway or not i think he's just he either because is this still the time where you can finish school early and go on to other apprenticeships yeah probably i think he can at that point maybe still. oh so you're thinking like he's getting an apprenticeship yeah but and he's like actually like that's what i've but he's actually like running away 1967 yeah i think so yeah i'm wondering if that's what it is maybe which would explain why he's out of the area because if not like surely as soon as he's disappeared his parents would be like or i wonder if the police are sort of thinking like he's a runaway yeah because it's weird that the parents didn't say anything 
until like the next day yeah that's what i'm thinking so i'm thinking was it not even normal for him to do lots not, of running away yeah or had he told them he was going somewhere so they weren't immediately concerned i don't think he told them that he was going away otherwise he might have just like stated that they said how that far away is that other one i'm just thinking like would he have got a train there or a bus or could he have walked it's about an hour and a half drive. Okay. So, so it's probably either a train or a bus. Yeah, it's too far to uh mm. So he would have needed money, mm. but how would he have got the money? Would he have asked his parents for the money or would he have earned it? I don't know. Doing something else. I'm also thinking this is why they're thinking it's a ring of... Yeah, they could have offered him money, like, if you do this, yeah. And then he's been doing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they set up for him to meet someone further away and they said they'd cover the costs. Yeah. Would make sense. Because those two men are connected throughout a lot of crimes. Yeah. Mm. So maybe, but yeah. It's a bit darker for a midsummer murder. Um. No, but it still happens. I think that's it. Like, you forget about these little sleepy villages. All sorts goes on in them. We're always like, oh, let's get a little country cottage somewhere. And we're like, no, that's probably the worst place to be. Yeah. That's all right. We've got... We can hide more Jeffs. <laughs> yeah, because I think... I think the room or the witnesses stated that they saw him in the town with two suitcases. But then it's also the suitcase with the PVA also is So were the suitcases his? No. Okay, I was going to say, because otherwise surely his parents would have noticed that he left with a suitcase. Or two suitcases. And be like, yeah, I'm just going to school. (laughs) That's why I'm sort of thinking, was it normal for him to disappear? And then... It doesn't say. Okay. But yeah, I was thinking it's not normal for him to disappear, but he's at the age where he's probably going to be out a bit later. So yeah. that might be why they waited till the next day. And then he's like, he doesn't show up. So then they're like, mm, okay. Yeah. Or he could just be a bit cheeky. Like maybe he often stays out quite yeah. late at night. So they don't really worry because they yeah. know he doesn't come back for his curfew. Yeah. And it's not until they maybe get up for breakfast the next morning that they think, oh, he's not actually come back. And I don't know if he is gay or openly gay, but with the whole manicured nails, I think it's implied he's... okay a gay teenager either that or he's just been brought into the room like he's doing it for money like he's yeah. desperate for money yeah. so he's going along with it because a lot of people like kids get lured into all it's sorts also of a things. bit strange for like this memberment it's like why but was it the only way they could think to put him in the suitcases and the only way they were going to be able to easily do that is to chop him chop up chop him up okay maybe like that wasn't the initial plan I'm just thinking, like, is that what they decided to do? Which would also tie nicely with the doctor because he'd have very good thingy of anatomy. I didn't think about that. Yes. Mm. So he'd be able to make... Especially two doctors. Yeah. So he'd have a good way of being able to dissect... Like, he'd know the easiest way to do it, which also might explain why it's in eight parts because that seems like a really random amount. I'm thinking, like, two arms, two legs, a head, torso. That's six. What's the other two bits? Are we going genitals and... Or maybe the torso in half? Weird. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. In... Yeah, when I said eight parts, I couldn't... Unless they're thinking, like, hands and feet, you know, like, not to cram it, this sounds really morbid, but cram it in the corner of the suitcase, you know, like, so you really pack a suitcase. I don't know. Eight's a bit strange. Let's get a dead body and drop it <laughs> up into eight. Yeah, because eight is a weird... Unless you do says... the arm... No, but then that's too many, isn't it? If you chop the arms and legs in half and then you have eight pieces already. No, you don't. Yes, you do. That's four. Then, if you didn't chop the legs in half, that'd mm. be six. Then torso and head, that would make eight. So maybe arms in half or legs in half. Maybe legs he was half. really tall. Maybe he was really tall. Doesn't state how tall he was. So it'd be at the kneecaps then, wouldn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah. the kneecaps. 
Oh, he's dead, I can't feel it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the only way I'm thinking. You know, like Dr. Light and then anatomy-wise, it'd be able to help him, I don't know, pack the suitcase. But then it didn't get rid of, like, the cause of death because they know he still was strangled and then he's, they, he still mm. had... So unless it was, like, at the top of the neck and there was ligature marks mm. lower down, mm. or maybe something in the lungs could show asphyxiation still. Maybe it's, like, the way it opens up into the lungs that even though the head was cut off, when they looked inside the torso, whatever was in the lungs would confirm asphyxiation of some mm. time. Mm. Or the neck bone could have been snapped when they looked. Maybe. That. And then added to whatever was going on with the lungs, they just decided that that was the cause of death. Yes. Maybe. We we know about bodies and stuff, yes. I'm sure there is. It is <laughs> yeah. different. Because it's like we're drowning. It depends on where, where the water sits. Yeah. Depends on whether they were drowned. Before. Yeah. Or after. Hmm. Interesting. We obviously can't solve it, or either of them. It's weird you went for a very old couple and I went for a very young child. Yeah, I know that was very unplanned, wasn't it? It was opposites. Mm. But no, I do not that I like these country murders, but I've got quite a few. Sometimes when you are driving by a village and you see something, you're like, "Is that a dead body?" Yeah, yeah. You see like bin bags in the. Yeah. Uh, I've done that a few times. You've seen bin bags. Yeah. Discarded on the side, and you're like, "Is there a dead body in there?" Well, remember that time I told you I saw that man. Like exercising in that park I go to, that's very remote. Yeah. And he was, he made his weight look like a dead body. I even had to go back I to think make he sure did it, it on purpose, a dead body. just yeah. to like freak people out. Yeah, because I was just driving by and I was going to make a joke and be like, oh, that looks like a dead body. But then I was like, what if it is? And I've just yeah. like committed myself to be killed by him. Yeah, you don't want to stop while he's there yeah. so he can identify. You've got to go back later. Mm. And take someone with you because it'd be a bit scary to go on your own. Yeah, he was just like dragging it back and stick. forth. <laughs> yeah, it suspicious. was his weight. That's what I'm saying. But okay. if there is a body found in this park, yeah, if you're not called it in, it might still be undiscovered. <laughs> mm. It's yeah. fine. There's no weird okay. smells there. I've not been there for a few weeks. Okay, maybe go back. Mm. And if there's still the bags there, that's where we can r- go. Call it in. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because you might have. Uh, I hope you remember the description of the guy. Athletic. That doesn't help. I kind of remember the number plate. I went back for the number plate. <laughs> okay, that's okay. That's good then. So if anything does happen, you, you can assist. Mm. Maybe you should have gone back before and asked for double check, but never mind. <laughs> I went back on the day. He was dragging okay. him back to the car. It was okay. fine. Okay. It's just his wife or like his student that he was personal training. Okay. <laughs> Uh, massively gone off on a tangent. I knew I should have filmed it. No yeah. one would have believed me otherwise. Okay, well, if someone's mysteriously discovered, we'll have to call on you, won't we? Okay. Okay. I won't state the park because the park is quite remote and very uh, quiet, and I like it like that. Okay. You think parking? Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, to be fair, in this day and age, yeah. we are charging your left, yeah, charging your left, right, and centre. Some of mine went somewhere the other week. It was like eight pounds for parking for three hours. I thought, what the fuck? That's what I'm saying. It was when it's like that, you think, oh, I'll just pay for the all-day parking. I think it was like £10 for all day. I was yeah. like, I'm obviously going to pay for the whole day. Yeah. But and I think that's how they get you, because then you always do end up being like slightly less than three hours. But you buy more, because you think, oh, yeah, but what if I'm not back in time? Then I don't want the £60 fine. So, how they con you out of the money. Not that the £8 isn't already a con, but... <laughs> for parking, especially, it's just ridiculous. It is. Uh, should probably end the episode before I carry on rabbiting on about parking. For they probably don't have this in villages. But they no, have murder not. in villages. No, they so... just have an angry man and you can't park on his cross <laughs> Yes. 
comes out with a shotgun. Um, yeah, so if people have enjoyed this, like I said, if you haven't already listened to our episode two, which is called Charles, I suggest you go and listen to Charles. that because that has two, I believe it's two separate murders, not related, uh, that happen, they're both discovered on farmland. Mm. So And both called Charles. Yes, both called Charles. Um, I think mine was like supposed to be like related to witchcraft, I think. Yeah. And mine, mine was the Charles family, I think. I can't remember off the top I of can't my head. Anyway, both related to Charles somehow, and both two bodies discovered in farmland. So, uh, yeah, and as Tasha's was very spooky, um, and we weirdly discovered that I'm quite happy to hang around with a dead body, which weirdly was also, didn't we mention about that being in a suitcase? <laughs> so that ties into today's episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe go and listen to that episode, and if people like it, like maybe let us know. And I've got some more that would fit into the whole Midsummer Murders thing, so... We could maybe do another episode like that. I know it's for older people, but I do mm. like the music. It gets I really me. love Midsummer Murders. I go Goosebumps. Yeah, I've like I've watched this episode so many times. Like some of them, I could like probably almost remember word for word because I've seen them quite a few times. But they're just so good. Like it's a really good program. So maybe that's another thing. If you haven't watched like the actual Midsummer Murders, go and watch it. It always surprises me, like how many famous people they actually get. Yeah, and you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> It's also as well. It's quite alarming for how such a small place. Mm, there's so a, much murder. Yeah, so many murders. So like, yeah, maybe don't go live there. Mm. Uh, I have been to Corston though, which is where like the whole Corston CID is supposed to be gone. Oh, there was another one I was looking at that there was some filmed in the midsummer. No, the murder happened where they filmed some of the midsummer scenes, and I was like, oh, Ooh. but that was slightly modern. I think it was nineties, and I was just like, I wanted to go a bit older yeah yeah well that's it i looked at one of yeah. the 90s but i couldn't get enough information yeah. on it and i had a lot of questions and yeah. i felt like it was going to make me really angry and pissed off so yeah, i went for do i'd already planned to do this case at some point i had it written in and i was like oh no actually it fits in quite nicely with the midsummer murders so yeah because i had to double check with you i was like was yours called richard or something so i was like <laughs> this one doesn't say richard but i want no. to confirm peach 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 i don't remember peach i should have remembered peach so uh yeah yeah, it's like your little... Where's your balls gone? It's behind you. Oh, yeah. My behind is behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime... I keep creeping. And we'll keep digging. <laughs>